Hey, good morning, Cedar Mount. Well, obviously, we're having a different service this morning. And I'm picturing all of you home right now in your pajamas, on your couch, all comfy. We actually tried to do that, but it didn't work so well. Um, filming in our house on the couch with paper airplanes flying by and kids bouncing everywhere just this isn't going to happen. So here we are at the church. But in all seriousness, friends, uh, we're facing a few unknowns over the next few weeks and months. Mm. But we serve a faithful God who's all-powerful and all-knowing and who cares for us. So we're going to do what we should do every morning. We're going to fix our eyes upon him. We're going to open our Bibles, and we're going to hear his words to us. Now, this week, I had prepped a sermon for our Overthrown series on anger. But we're going to pause that. Because I believe there's a passage of Jesus' words to us that are especially relevant today. So if you would open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. But just to give you some context, this is Jesus' defining sermon that launches his ministry. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a picture, paints a picture for us of what the kingdom of God is like. And in our passage this morning, uh, Jesus' words are so timely. Um, In our current circumstances, when our world just feels so chaotic and so out of control um, and filled with so much worry and anxiety, his words to us today really address that worry and anxiety and invite us to trust our God, our Heavenly Father, instead. One of my favorite writers says, worry and anxiety is really what happens when we become our own God. If you have an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God, then the responsibility lies on his shoulders and not ours. But as soon as we make ourselves our own God and we take our eyes off of him and rely on ourselves to provide for our own needs and the needs of our families, then our anxiety will just shoot through the roof because the buck now ultimately stops with us, with you and me. And we weren't made to carry that type of burden. When we act as our own God, then we churn through questions like, will I have enough? Will I have all that I need? And the list of what ifs just can go on forever. And that is one of the reasons why just in an incredibly secular culture like ours, we have just such a large amount of worry and anxiety. But let's dig in this morning and let's hear from Jesus. I'd love for you to follow along with me if you have your Bibles. It's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Friends, there's so much in this passage, but in a nutshell, Jesus is telling us three things we should not do, three things we should do instead, and three things God does. So again, three things we should not do, three things we should do instead, and three things God does. But let's look first at the three things we should not do. And if you're taking notes, you want to get your pen and your paper out because you want to pay close attention to this. First, let's look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. So do not be anxious is number one. Second, verse 31. So do not be anxious. And you're getting the pattern here. And third, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious. Three times Jesus tells us, do not be anxious. It's like, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Did you hear me in the back of the room? Do not be anxious. And it's like that because Jesus is really wanting us to understand the importance of what he's trying to say. So by repeating it, Jesus is trying to emphasize how much it matters. Now, for many of us, it's like, I don't want to worry or be anxious. I don't want to feel this way. It's not something I enjoy. And if that is all Jesus said, but did not say what to do instead, and it might feel impossible to just muster up the strength not to be anxious. But that is not all that he says. He says, do not be anxious three times. And then he gives us three things to do instead, which by doing them will make feeling anxious nearly impossible. So if your mind tends to be anxious, how do you fight against it? What thoughts do you put in its place? There are three things from this passage that Jesus invites us to do instead. And if we look at verse 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus is telling us to look, to pay attention. Friends, looking at the world around us and all that God has done and is doing every day to sustain it, drives out the worry and anxiety. Jesus is saying, look at all that your father does all around you every day. Every time you tread on a piece of grass, you are standing on something that he made, that he created, that he cared for, Mm. for a purpose. Mm. Mm. Friends, we went snowboarding with our kids this last weekend. And honestly, it's been like the first time I've gone snowboarding and been on Mount Hood in 20 years. But I couldn't help but standing on that slope and looking at that skyline and just being overwhelmed by God's power. Jesus is saying, be aware of how good and how powerful your father is. Friends, excluding bacteria, there's like 8.7 million different species, and God feeds each and every one of them. Just look around you, Jesus is saying, at all that your God does. And be mindful, friends. Jesus is preaching this sermon on a hillside in Galilee where people could feel the grass under their feet and see the birds in the sky. And friends, if you just look around like Jesus is telling you to do, your confidence in the care, power, and provision of your father will grow. Last year, my daughter Sydney and I got to go to Rwanda, and near the end of our trip, 
we got to go on a safari near the border with Tanzania. And it was great because normally all the really cool animals that I like to see at the zoo are usually asleep. In like 20 years, I honestly haven't seen the lions awake once. But after we were done, Sydney laughed when, I, when she asked me what my favorite animal was and I told her it was a warthog. Now, if you've ever seen a warthog or you've ever seen the movie The Lion King, you know warthogs are really funny looking animals. But I remember we were driving and seeing this warthog out in this field rolling around in the dirt. But as we drove up by him and stopped, I just remember him looking up at us and me looking at him and I'm looking in his face and he's looking in mine. I just remember being amazed going, man, how did God make you? Now I'm realizing now he was probably looking at me and thinking the same thing. Like, how did God make you? But friends, as that safari ended, we went up on this hillside over that valley where the warthog was. And again, I was just taken by what God had created. It was astonishing. The power, the elegance. It was just overwhelming. Friends, just looking at what God has done is a great antidote when we're questioning if he has the power to care for us. So we take our eyes off of what we fear and we fix them on what he is doing and what he has done. Second, he invites us to consider. Uh, we see in verse 28, it says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So first, Jesus said to look. And now he's saying consider, meaning consider the ramifications of the fact that this thing, this lily, or this flower is being cared for by God. And how much more will he care for you? because you are worth so much more than any other thing that he has created. Jesus is saying, consider the implications. Don't just look and say, oh, look at those flowers or the mountains or a warthog or meerkat or there's your Lion King reference for you kids. Um, but think about how God cares for them and he cares more about you because he has designed you and made you in his image. Therefore, if he cares for them, he will certainly take care of you. So take a walk. Um, this week and just look around and consider. We live in Oregon, so there's a lot to consider. It doesn't get much more beautiful than, than this. Plus, if you go for a walk, you can keep your social distance. True, that's true. So you can have like free feet away. Um, and just look at how powerful and magnificent your father must be and consider how much he loves you. Jesus is saying, Wake up to this reality of how much more you are worth to your father than those things. Mm -hmm. And friends, if you haven't picked up on it, the Bible didn't get the memo and isn't concerned with our modern political correctness that says that all creatures are equal in the sight of God. No, friends, humans are far more valuable to God, mm -hmm. far more valuable than the grass and the birds. And it's important for you to know this, how much he loves you, so you can understand how much more he will care for you. Mm -hmm. So when you see people this week, friends, neighbors walking, people losing their mind at Costco hoarding toilet paper, <laughs> remember each one of them is made in the image of God and he values them more than any creature he's created. Friends, God will care for us. So look, consider, and finally the third thing that Jesus invites us to do instead of being anxious and worrying, is found in verse 33. And it says, But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, Jesus is not telling us to fight our anxiety and worry by taking endless nature walks and looking and considering only. He says that we should also seek things and desire things, but not the things that we tend to seek in anxious times, like material things to meet our physical needs. He's saying, your Father will provide what you need. Jesus is saying, seek after the kingdom of God. So when you're faced with a need, and the tendency is to be filled with anxiety and thinking about how to solve the problem yourself, seek his kingdom first. One of the effects of worry and anxiety is that it takes up so much of our emotional energy and mental capacity, and we're busy seeking the things of this world to try to take care of ourselves, and then we have no time and energy left to even pay attention to what God is doing around us. Jesus is challenging us to ask questions like this one, regardless of what we're facing. Um, how now in crisis might the kingdom of God break through in this situation? So instead of focusing on our needs or the crisis itself, let's focus on how God might bring his kingdom through this situation. How do I honor God? How do we reflect him and his love in this season? Now that might mean immediately praying for the crisis to end, but it might also be that God is presenting us an opportunity in the midst of the crisis to honor him, an opportunity to give of ourselves as a reflection of what he has given to us and demonstrate his love in the midst of this crisis. Our daughter, um, who is a student at Beaverton High School, sent us a text Friday morning, and she said that over 60% of her peers at her high school are relying on the school for their food during the day. And they weren't sure how many of the students were gonna make it for two and a half weeks without the food the school provides. Even one of um, her teachers said to their students, I'm not leaving here today until I know that all of you have access to food over the next two and a half weeks. So our daughter texted us and said, how can we help? What can we do? What can our church do? Can we do something? So I called the school and we now have a plan in place for how we as a church community can come alongside these families and these children um, who are in need. In fact, Pastor Ashley sent us a text around the same time that said that the students at Beaverton High School and other local schools were really on her heart that morning and she wanted to brainstorm as to how she can come alongside them or how we can as a church. So what we came up with is to provide gift cards for each of the families. Our goal is to have about 150 gift cards to be dispersed um, to families who are in need of food over the next two and a half weeks. And um, we're hoping maybe 50 to $100, Fred Meyer or Winco or something. But if you can give 20 or 25, that's awesome. Um, even though our office is closed, we are going to open our front doors on Monday from 9 to 5 just to receive those gift cards. So if you're able and you can go out and you can um, purchase a gift card, um, then we'd love to collect those on Monday and make sure they get into the hands of these families mm -hmm. who need them. Mm -hmm. And our prayer would just be that these students would see God's love and his care through God's people and be drawn into knowing, who is this God? Who is he who cares for me? Mm -hmm. so. Friends, you can imagine this week, it was a really busy week at the church office. And if I'm being honest, I was just putting my head down, trying to get things done and 
repeatedly asking myself, what else do I need to do to take sure, make sure everything's okay? I was carrying a lot of burden and a lot of weight. But then a good friend of mine here at Cedar Mill gave me a call and, and he said, Paul, I'm just calling to tell you, I, I care about you, I'm praying for you. But then he said at the end of his call, he said, hey, Paul, you know there's going to be a lot of people who are hurting with a lot of needs. And he asked, Paul, how can we continue to give of our resources, of our time, to love these people and meet their needs? Mm -hmm. Friends, those words to me woke me up. They were like Jesus' very own words to me, saying, seek first the kingdom of God. So, friends, <clears throat> we seek first the kingdom of God even in the midst of crisis. Mm. Jesus is saying, ultimately, the Father is responsible to care for us. Our responsibility is to pursue and seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. And friends, when you do, you will glorify him in your plenty mm. and in your deficiency. Mm. And here's the deal. When we seek the kingdom, Jesus says everything else will be added as well. So Jesus says, do not be anxious three times, and instead, look, consider, and seek. And the foundation for all of these things are three things that God does for us. We see in verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns or hoard all the cleaning supplies at the store, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God promises to feed us. This is an action verb, and Jesus is saying, God feeds the birds, and he will feed you. And now we first think of this as physical food, but there's another layer to it. If you look through the lens of the gospel, there's a deeper meaning to the way that he feeds us. Physical food, yes, but the kind of food that only Jesus can give that is far more permanent, far more lasting, far more satisfying than earthly food that we all rush to Costco for. Jesus feeds us with himself, his own body. We've been walking through the seven I am statements of Jesus at Wellspring, which is our women's evening gathering. And in John 6, 35, he declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. And we feast on him and his word and remember how Jesus has reconciled us to God by giving us himself, we will never go hungry. Now, not only does God feed us, but we see in verse 28, it says that he clothes us. And why are you anxious about clothing, it says? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, the immediate meaning we see here is that God will clothe us physically. God clothes the grass, and he will clothe you. But the deeper meaning we see here is that he clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. He gives us his righteousness. He's not just going to give us physical clothing. He's going to wrap you up in his righteous arms and protect you, preserve you, and provide for you, even in death, whatever it is we face. He provides, and he sets his affections upon you and makes you righteous. And as a result, we receive the full blessing of being clothed like Christ, like God's beloved son, as we stand before our good father. So I would encourage you to take a walk this week 
and look and consider and just praise him. He has wrapped his arms around you and clothed you in his righteousness. So friends, we see here that God feeds us. He clothes us. And finally, God knows. Follow with me in verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Friends, God is not ignorant of what we need or ignorant of your desperation or even the cries of your heart. Even this week, especially this week, he is mindful and knows the needs of each one of us. It's not like he didn't see the virus coming. Friends, he will give you what you need when you need it, right when you need it. When Abraham had taken his son Isaac up to the mountain and was about to sacrifice him, a ram was there in the brush to be a substitute sacrifice instead. Abraham named that place Mount Moriah, which means the Lord will provide. But what strikes me every time I read that story is that the ram was already there already there in the brush before Abraham ever realized he needed it. Before Abraham knew it himself, God knew ahead of time and placed that ram exactly where and when Abraham would need it. Friends, that is how God cares for his children. He meets their needs. And sometimes he meets their needs even before they know they have that need. So in this time of uncertainty, we can wait expectantly for our Father to provide for our needs. Because brothers and sisters, our God knows. Would you pray with me? Mm. Father, thank you for feeding us with food so we'll never be hungry again. Thank you for clothing us in the righteousness of your Son so that we can be called your sons and your daughters. And Father, thank you for being a God who knows our needs, who anticipates them, even when we don't see them coming, Mm. and provides for us. Jesus, we desire to be a church, a people who seeks after your kingdom first, in the good times, in the times of plenty, in the deficient times, in the times of the unknown. Mm. We love you. We trust you. We rest in you. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.